to another edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans weekly news podcast where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host and co-producer, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our co-producer, Haley Marks. On today's episode, we have three special guests. We will be checking in with Daily Iowan news reporter, Sabina Martin, and the executive editor of the paper, Sarah Watson. We will also be checking in with Lillian Polson, who covers the University of Iowa's hospitals and clinics, about this week's COVID-19 updates and the reality of life as a frontline healthcare worker in 2020. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, December 11th edition of On the Record. I'm Haley Marks, On the Record's co-producer, and here are this week's headlines. On Wednesday, the Daily Island reported there were new cases of COVID-19 on the University of Iowa's campus. As of December 9th, 16 additional students and three employees self-reported cases of COVID since Monday, November 30th. As of Wednesday, there have been 3,075 positive coronavirus cases on campus since students return to campus for the fall semester. The semester formally ends on Friday, December 18th. On Monday, the Daily Island reported on the Iowa City Community School District working to create a new discipline manual for the 2021-2022 school year. The goal of the manual is to create a more equitable system for students. The district is gathering proposed solutions from board meetings and district-wide surveys. As a gift to his nine Supreme Court seminar, student at the end of the semester, University Iowa professor Todd Petties ordered them a personalized cameo during Tiger King's Carol Baskin. With a December 31st expiration date for the CDC-mandated eviction moratorium approaching, students looking for housing assistance may not be eligible for several rent assistance programs in the Hawkeye State. The COVID Iowa Eviction and Foreclosure Prevention Program which received $38 million in CARES Act funding, excludes households where there is not at least one member who is not a student. At a UI Faculty Senate meeting on Tuesday, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pathology Dan Sewell said the university's drafting plans for asymptomatic screening next semester to control the silent spread of COVID-19 on campus. In Wednesday's print edition, the Daily Iowans Amplified page published a story originally from the Unity chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists at the UI which covered a hashtag that has turned into a global movement. The Humanize My Hoodie campaign was started by Andre Wright and Jason Soule, who first met in Waterloo, Iowa. The hashtag was created to pay homage to teenager Trayvon Martin, who was fatally killed in his hoodie. On Thursday, the DI published a story about the University of Iowa's hospitals and clinics, hoping to use an experimental treatment for patients who test positive for COVID-19, the Regeneron monoclonal antibody. This may prevent future hospitalizations, and UIHC is hoping to study how it can prevent patients who are exposed to the virus from getting it. For this year's Human Rights Day, Iowa activists said they wanted to focus on health as a human right as the pandemic brings disparities in healthcare access to light. December 10th marks the 72nd anniversary of the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, celebrated as Human Rights Day by the UN. The theme for 2020 is Recover Better, Stand Up for Human Rights. President-elect Joe Biden nominated former Iowa Governor Tom Vilsack to reprise his previous role as U.S. Secretary of Agriculture on Thursday. The nomination came alongside a slate of other key cabinet positions. On Thursday morning, the trial of Christian Bahena Rivera, who was accused of killing University of Iowa student Molly Tibbetts, was delayed because of COVID-19. The trial was set for January 15, 2021, but has since been moved to May 17, 2021. You can read all these stories and more in the Daily Iowans print edition on Wednesday or online anytime at dailyiowan.com.
News reporter Sabina Martin, who covers higher education for the DI, wrote a story this week on the University of Iowa's strategic planning group adjusting their schedule by almost a year due to COVID-19. Welcome, Sabina. We are excited to have you back on the podcast. How has your week been? Thanks for having me. It's been really busy, but it's been rewarding. Good. And so in this story, you focused on the next five-year strategic plan for the University of Iowa being put on a pause. So what was the original timeline for the new strategic plan and what was the university's motivation for pushing it back? Yeah, so the new strategic plan was to um, start in 2021 and it would finish in 2026. Um, and the first draft was be to be approved by the Board of Regents um, this February, but will actually now be ending in June 2022. So um, basically, it's been pushed um, to be finished from June 2021 all the way to June 2022. Basically, the university's motivation for pushing it back was just a combination of COVID-19 slowing everything down, um, having to focus on that, but also the changes in administration, like our the um, University of Iowa President Bruce Harold stepping down as an early retirement um, that also slowed things down because the president actually guides the process in a very large way. So they wanted the next president to be able to um, be a part of this, the next strategic plan. Yeah. And you spoke with several members of the strategic planning committee this week. How are they feeling about pushing the timeline back and what perspectives are they focusing on when it comes to having this additional time? Yeah, so I think that they're mostly grateful for the extra time just because of all the changes that have happened this year with the pandemic. You know, I think um, one source described it as looking at the next plan with a fresh set of eyes um, with how they're going to address the issues. So I think a lot of them, a lot of the issues will be circled around um, diversity, equity, inclusion at the UI, as well as just finding new themes that will guide the UI until 2026. And um, they also just said that they learned so much, the administration and just the UI overall um, with the pandemic, and they're going to definitely apply those things that they learned to the next um, strategic plan. And obviously, these strategic plans impact the entire university up from the president, like you said, all the way to the undergraduate and graduate student populations. How are students being factored into this delay in the plan? With every strategic plan, they do actually ask um, the public, the UI community and Iowa City community um, what they want to see in the next one. They haven't done any of this yet, but they're planning to. And they will be, I think later this month or in January, they will be rebooting um, the overall, just like a pretty much just a reset of the plan um, to restart and just look at it with a fresh set of eyes. So um, they're gonna have satisfaction surveys for all students um, and send them out and also send the surveys to school districts that employ the students to learn about. So they're thinking about future students um, that might go to the UI, but also um, the students right now and what they need to be have better resources. Thank you for being on the podcast today, Sabina, and sharing your story with us. Hopefully, we can have you back sometime next semester. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Next up, we have Sarah Watson, the Daily Iowans Executive Editor, who wrote a story on Wednesday about the University of Iowa's hospital and clinics employees expecting to get COVID-19 vaccines as early as next week, depending on FDA approval. Welcome to the studio, Sarah. We're delighted to have you on today. How are you? Doing well, um, getting ready for finals week and 
making it through dead week, but like Sabina said, definitely rewarding. Good. And so your piece focuses on the hospital receiving vaccinations for its frontline workers. How many vaccinations are they expecting to receive and how will they divvy up who receives them at the hospital? Yeah, so they're expecting to see about a thousand doses arrive next week at the at UIHC and they've triaged their employees into four different categories. So first will be anyone who's working on the COVID unit. So anybody who's like in environmental services, anybody who is a nurse, physician, um, anybody who has contact with COVID patients will be the first priority. And then their second priority will be the general hospital. So anyone who's working face-to-face with patients. Um, Their third priority will be anybody who... um, who works at offsite clinics and off campus. So University of Iowa hospitals and clinics has clinics like all over the state. So those will be the third priority. Priority, And then the fourth priority would be like support staff, people who aren't involved with uh, day-to-day care, but maybe handle like strategic communications and other areas of the hospital that don't require that face-to-face um, interaction with patients. Yeah, and obviously this vaccination is under emergency approval authorization as it's for an ongoing pandemic. So how is the FDA planning to determine if this vaccine is approved and then if it will be distributed afterwards? Yeah, so there will be an emergency hearing tomorrow. Um, and then the and then UIHC and other hospitals are expected to get the vaccine doses uh, next week. And so what they're going to look at is the efficacy rate. Um, the UIHC leaders are really, really optimistic about it being approved. There's it's a 95% efficacy rate after two doses. And they don't see any reason why it um, would not be approved. It's actually already received approval in the UK and Canada now. Yeah, and obviously the vaccination is starting with frontline workers who are helping people who have COVID. Is there any plan at the moment for how the vaccination will be distributed following just essential and healthcare workers? Yeah, so there isn't any set in stone plans right now. Um, so yeah, there's there's a wait list of people who are going to receive the vaccine. Obviously, first healthcare workers, and then pe- other essential workers who have to work in person and long term care residents. Um, and so, us being college students, mostly healthy, are probably going to be pretty low on that priority list. So there aren't a lot of details right now about um, how those are how those vaccines in Iowa are going to be distributed outside of healthcare workers um, yet. But and actually, UIHC doesn't even know for sure exactly how many doses they're going to be getting but they're going to know week to week. So this like whole situation is really rapidly updating information and it'll change. um, It'll change day to day. Yeah. Well, this pandemic is far from over, so I'm sure you'll be back again to chat about it sometime soon, but thank you for coming on the podcast this week. We can't wait to read more of your stories in the DI. Thank you for having me. And finally, we have Lillian Polson, the DI's University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics beat reporter, who wrote a long-form story this week about the fatigue and stress that frontline workers are experiencing while working during the COVID-19 pandemic that started more than 10 months ago. Welcome back, Lillian. How's everything going? It's going um, crazy next couple of weeks, but I'm really excited for the semester to be over. So yeah, just looking ahead and 
enjoying the break that will come soon. I think we all are. But you spoke with healthcare workers at the University of Iowa's hospitals and clinics about how they've been handling all of the emotions that come alongside working on the front lines of a pandemic. How are the individuals that you spoke with coping with the pandemic's impact on their personal lives? Yeah, so it's definitely had an impact on their personal lives. Um, so I spoke with four people that were kind of highlighted in the article. So Kirsten Brainard, she basically talked about how she hasn't been able to see her friends. She hasn't been able to see like um, extended family or anything in over in about a year. So um, that's been incredibly difficult, um, especially since um, she mostly only gets to see like her boyfriend um, and that's it. And it's just been hard to not be able to go out after work or just take that time to de-stress and just think about something else. And then a couple of others. So Lillian Olson talked about how she has three kids and how that's been difficult because um, one, her oldest daughter um, has virtual schooling now. So she's been juggling that. And it's just a lot of balancing of like personal and work life. Um, and work life has like become a lot more involved in like her personal life. And then Liz Highland also uh, talked about that as well um, and how it's hard to kind of juggle everything and just there's no time to really think about anything else but the pandemic and but the hospital. And then alongside that juggling that you're talking about is obviously the fear of potentially testing positive and having to take a break. And so for this story, you actually spoke with a nurse who did test positive for COVID-19. How many staff members at UIHC have tested positive? And what was that specific nurse's experience with the virus? Yeah, so about uh, 1,200 UIHC workers have tested positive since March. Um, so for her specifically, um, she didn't have like a very severe case. Um, she did discuss, um, Kirsten discussed like different patients that have had, you know, underlying health conditions and have had to seek more care after getting COVID. Um, but hers was just more, more like a bad cold and she wasn't able to come into work for, um, you know, the week to 14 days. So the only really difficult part for her there was, Obviously, being sick isn't fun, but she also felt, you know, upset that she couldn't cover her own shifts and that she had to get other people to take care of that because um, she recognizes that everyone else has a lot going on and they have to work more and stuff, too. So I just think that she was feeling just a little upset that she couldn't come into work um, and help the worker, other workers at that time. Yeah. And obviously, there is a lot to handle during the COVID pandemic, including its unpredictability, which has kind of turned into an increase in numbers recently in the state of Iowa within the last month or so due to a surge. So how has that surge impacted the nurses and physicians that you spoke with? And what are they asking Iowans to do to keep those numbers down and keep them a little bit safer? Yeah, so the main thing was that a lot of them said, um, Actually, all the four people I talked to said that they actually feel safer at work than they do when they go out in the community. Um, so just with like rising cases and stuff, they're more afraid to go to the grocery store. Um, and they're still kind of, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was rarely leaving their homes and, um, you know, rarely going to the grocery store and ordered online and stuff. And they still have to do that. So whereas other people have been able to kind of relax those rules and they've just you know, kind of um, grown a little bit tired of it. They're also tired, um, but they can't stop um, and they can't just go back to normal. So they're really worried about that. Um, so going to the grocery store, um, they're worried about, you know, their significant others bringing in 
um, COVID from work, stuff like that. Um, and basically they were just, you know, reiterating wearing masks, social distancing, avoiding large gatherings, um, washing hands, stuff like that, because they know what it's like to see firsthand um, people who don't have good outcomes and who experience these like um, significant side effects, including like lung disease and um, some people even die and they've seen that firsthand. Um, and Kirsten also, Kirsten Brainard, the nurse who, um, was kind of at the front of the story, talked about how she's been um, calling patients, families, and talking about like how they're doing and um, having to tell them that their loved one has died. Um, so obviously that has impacted them a lot. Um, and just having those difficult conversations, especially over the phone, and especially when they're worried that they might, you know, get coronavirus as well. Um, themselves. So they're just asking that Iowans continue to like kind of push through um, and just kind of wait for the light at the end of the tunnel just because it's so crucial and they're seeing these like significant impacts um, in the hospital. And another recent development, which we just talked to Sarah about, has been the finalization of vaccine trials for Pfizer and Moderna, which also some of the trials are happening at UIHC. How has the vaccine and its and its progress impacted these workers? Yeah, so um, as Sarah said, it will take a while before, you know, everyone at the hospital level and just like in general will have access to the vaccine. But um, the four workers I talked to are right at the front line. They're working in the intensive care unit. So um, they'll probably be in the influenza-like illness clinic. So they'll probably be um, one of the first to get the vaccine. So that's exciting for them. Um, obviously, it still doesn't really change a lot because they still have to, you know, be aware of what's going on in the community. And um, it takes a while for, you know, herd immunity and stuff like that. Um, but they're hopeful as like the vaccine comes out that um, more people will be able to have access to it and that we can find some treatments and hopefully see some impacts on the positive cases in the community. Um, and just hospitalizations in general. Yeah, well, thank you for chatting with us today, Lillian, and we look forward to having you back soon to chat about more UIHC news. Yes, awesome. Thanks again for having me. As of Thursday, December 10th, the FDA Advisory Committee recommended emergency use authorization for the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine that Daily Iowan Executive Editor Sarah Watson discussed. Thanks for listening. Follow The Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest COVID-19 related news. The Daily Iowan and On the Record will be taking a break in between the fall and spring semesters. We will return to a regular publishing schedule starting January 25th. We'll be back next year with more editions of On the Record.